Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 366. We are live. This is your guide to the geek side. I'm Todd Oxtra, your host from beautiful Savage, Minnesota, joined by Charlie Chuckles Carden. Dancing, 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 twirling, twirling, twirling into infinity. What's happening, everybody? Oh, we're, we're just reveling in getting ready for that spring ahead where we all lose an hour and we're all so much happier the next day. But with... And, but, and, and it's on the weekend, which makes it even worse. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it always is. Yeah, yeah. Party a little less hard over the weekend. Um, but what makes us very happy is we are joined by a returning secret friend. And that is Mr. Luke Lore from the XCP Gaming Pod- Podcast. Yes, Charlie allowed a gamer on the podcast, but we're not going to talk about games, mostly. We're going to talk about cool stuff. But he's also a trekker, but we've not had you on Code 47. Luke, we're going to have to have it. We're going to have to have a rap about that. I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but we're kind of hot fire right now with my partner, Katie. She's great, but it doesn't mean that we couldn't have a third chair every once in a while. So, you know, our man. I, I will tell you right now. First of all, I will say I am super excited to be joining you guys. We have been graced with so many amazing nerd content. Uh, outlets outside of gaming that I am so excited to get to have a place to talk about it with it. And, you know, as far as not being on code 47 captain's eyes only, of course, I have not, I've been slacking on my track just a little bit. Mm. And for you, Charlie, for you, and this is real. As of an hour ago, I finally, I finally got to start Picard season two. Because I I just been so busy I hadn't gotten to it, but I started it so that I could comment on it with you, my friend. That's gonna why well, I'm dedication. I'm impressed because Todd wants to talk about it, which means that he watched it today, which I'm like, how did he do that? No, 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 no. Oh. We've Luke and I have only watched episode one. Charlie. Oh, why? So you're not getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I came to watch. No, it. no, no. Not until not when I okay. work till five forty five okay. on a okay. Thursday. Okay. That it's not fun. But we will talk about it. We'll talk about some okay. Trek news and it'll okay. be a good episode. Okay. But, you know, because Luke is on, he loves Batman. He loves Batman games, all things Batman. We picked the perfect cover because it's a weird one this week. We picked picked Detective Comics number 366 from August 1967. It's apparently Batman's shocking last hours. He's apparently writing a will that I'm assuming is legal in all 50 states. And he basically says, I have an hour left to live. It's up to Robin to find my killer so I can avenge him from his grave. He's got his will and he's leaving Robin $10.66. I mean, what is he dying of? Did he take a shot to the eye? Because there's kind of, I don't want to get too graphic, but what's coming out of the side of his mask? He's got the, he's got the meat sweats. He's dying of like he had a beef a, he, injection. He had a, he had, he had, a, he had a big steak. <laughs> I don't know, Luke. I mean, you've seen Batman go through the throes of 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 trials that he of his different adversaries. So, if you looked at this cover, what's your hot take? Um, jeez, like I feel said, like he's hot take. I got nothing. Like I, I this is because it's so retro. I'm like, all right, is he talking to Mad Mad Hatter? What's going on here? He's rounding the sum. The feathers throwing me off. I got nothing. Whatever my hot take is, it's uh. It's yet one more time Batman's been let down. 
I mean, without a doubt, there's no way this is a legal document because he signs it as, oh, he does sign it as Bruce Wayne, alias the Batman, and then mm-hmm. he draws a bat on it. So if is the bat his actual signature? I just I, I do not see how this is going to hold up in a court of law because no. there's no proof. So, yeah. But um, as this came out in 1967 and he is uh, still with us as a character in 2022, I feel like everything worked out. Or maybe it didn't. It's a cloned Batman. It's been him all along, Charlie. It's a different Earth because that's what they do in DC. They're on different Earths or whatever. That's the scoop. That's That's absolutely that's, that's Marvel too now. Oh, <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah. The multiverse of many crisis characters, as we it can, would call it. It can be anything now. It's anything and everything. Absolutely. It could be my favorite where they just put Alfred in a bat suit, even though it looks nothing like Batman, <laughs> which I loved. I loved it. Like 85-year-old man versus a 32-year-old physical specimen. Can't tell the difference. I like oh, well. it. Why not? Why not? I like it. It's it's all yeah. everybody's everybody's happy. But speaking of insufficient physical specimens uh that always lends us to talk a little bit about what comes next on the show that usually involves getting in a cab or an uber uh going down to hollywood and fine and meeting up with our favorite geriatric our senior news correspondent i am of course talking about madam webb's rumors and news let's go now it's time for madam webb's rumors and news take it away boys thank you madam webb i don't know madam webb have you ever dressed up as a superhero masquerading, being a vigilante at night. Um, Maybe you were. Maybe you call you... um, Let's see. What's a good name for Madam Webb? She she is masqueraded as... Geriatric... Gal? Geriatricy? You know, after 366 episodes of making fun of Madam Webb, I've kind of drawn a blank this episode. So, sorry, folks. Come back next week. I'll improve. That's okay. Uh, My goodness. Well, what do we got going on? Yeah, the first thing is we got first teaser images from Entertainment Weekly of the new Obi-Wan trailer. And then like literally an hour later, here's the teaser trailer for the Obi-Wan. 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 Dobby, Dobby one. Yes, it's the new Harry Potter spinoff with the with the, the house elf with who the lights, uh, lightsabers, yeah. lightsabers and beards. Yes, exactly. But we've got this trailer for Obi Wan. Uh, we got uh, shown many many different things. We've shown a new planet that almost looks like a Shanghai uh, neon lights dangerous place. We have um, uh, we have some different elements, but we also saw some elements that are bringing us back to episode one feels and one of those which i had to laugh and you guys we can talk more about the details one thing that made me laugh was seeing luke look like anakin or look like on anakin doing the pod racing thing and i'm like oh my god but that was just me you know what Uh, i i I didn't take any issue with that at all i i think that is i think it's part for the course todd this is this is what worries me about having you on our star wars podcast is just you just take it too seriously you de- Star Wars is fan. Star Wars is is fan service. Star Wars defi- Star Wars created fan service. Am I wrong? Can you think of something else that came before when there were sequels and sequels and sequels where it wasn't like remember this thing we did? I, that, that I you just you can't look for Shakespeare in Star Wars. You can look for it in Star Trek because they have Patrick Stewart. Luke, back me up here. You know well. What I'm right? 
I just Batman, don't. But but Batman. But there's many things that came before, and and like Batman, James Bond, other heroes, other things, and. Todd, I don't know that there were so many elements of fan service. Sure. Per, per capita, I guess you would say. Per, per capita. And, and yeah, jo- like the jokes per minute meter that Todd always quotes in the MCU. There you go. I yeah. mean, that's it. And the, with this Obi-Wan trailer, what they've done is this this captured to me, and, and the Mandalorian and parts of Boba Fett did the same. This captured to me what I think a lot of us wanted to see out of the sequel trilogy. Whatever your feelings about the sequel trilogy are, this has those moments of both nostalgia and future building. And that's really cool. That's a really cool thing to see is that they're acknowledging the past, the good, the best moments of the past that even came Mm -hmm. out of what were effectively some pretty silly prequels. Um, And they open with the parts that get you going. The duel of the fates Mm -hmm. in there. Uh, And if you've ever heard Dave Filoni, speak on what the duel of the fates really was supposed to mean and really means to him. You can see why he's taking this direction with Obi-Wan and why it might be so welcoming to see Luke and, and Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and why it might be nice. So nice to see just what's going to happen with some of his star Wars led things. And to Charlie's point, it is fan service. Uh, and provided they tell a good story, I'm cool with it. They put Boba Fett on a rancor uh, towards the end of his show. And it was silly. It was dumb, but that's pure fan service to the special of of old. It's know? just, it's just, it's it's not high art, Todd. And I, I see you. Oh, with the, with the shovel, you're digging. You're digging. You're digging for oh, gold in the Star Wars desert, and it's it's it, Tatooine. All you're going to find is those little. It's it's, it's, it's not a high art, but I always say this: just try harder. Just just don't go for the easy stuff. But and they, seem, but Star Wars does more of the easy stuff than just, really pushing. They just at don't times. have. They just don't have to. Star Trek does dig a little deeper, and a lot of people hate them for it. You know that a lot of people are like, "Oh, Discovery's not my Star Correct. Trek," because they're they they took what they they just totally flipped it. They had you know this this very emotional driven captain who cries all the time, and some people can't deal with it. But it's not the same shit over and over again. It's not pizza yeah. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Star Wars is always going to be. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, no. And I, but Star Wars wasn't always that stuff, though. Star Wars was typically it, it, when we had it. But now it seems like Star Wars is now really driving into we're going to only focus on this specific era. We're going to go deep. Everybody has to know everybody. Everybody's going to make a return appearance. It's just going to be that way. And it's we're digging. We're, we're getting we're getting deeper, but not broader in a sense, which is to me, I wish would love them just go broader, experiment new things. But but I understand it. It's, it's fan service. But ultimately, Star Wars is in a place where I don't know if they're reaching out to new fans as much as they could with new experiences new characters new new concepts that i think where star wars i think is not great sci-fi because star trek is because it experiences new concepts and new things star star wars once again it's space wizards and you know good versus bad i get it um it's very much uh it's it ain't broke don't fix it no no but i mean i enjoyed it and i really like you mcgregor coming back i like the in fact they're bringing the inquisitors yeah um and they are showing a new planet like i said which is great obviously we're gonna go to tatooine that was expected i mean i didn't expect that uh, i i was expecting it um but yeah i mean i thought it was cool i mean and deborah chow is the director of the series and i feel like of all of the the mandalorian episodes i think she delivered the best uh episodes really? so i am highly op- uh, optimistic about this um, and I hope it delivers. I really do. Um, because 
I want I want Star I want to like Star Wars. It's not like I enjoy hating it. I I love the Mandalorian to pieces, um, and I liked parts of Boba Fett. Other parts, I'm like, it just feels like more of the same Star Wars we're always getting. So um, I like it when they can push the envelope forward and introduce new concepts and things. So um, I can have my key, cake and eat it too, Charlie. Come on, you're you're not getting milk out of this nut. So anyway, uh- <laughs> I want to counterpoint it real quick. I want to counterpoint real quick. Do it. Okay, so Todd, I appreciate your logic but i'm afraid i don't subscribe to it when i think about some of your complaints of star wars when they've gone broader and tried to do different that's when we got things like the trade federation and politics on such a scale that was, <laughs> was so complex that it was it was how, almost how about different but good luke how about that also, also very subjective george lucas thought that was good now we don't have George Lucas anymore. But what well, we George Lucas have- thought Jar Jar was good. Watto was good. The Trade Federation right. being very racial stereotype. So right. a lot of those things it didn't play well. The, but I mean, the, 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 yeah, then now they're yeah. just all trotting it out. Yeah. But look also at what we've seen Star Wars do in the Disney era. You've seen a movie about about Han Solo that take a, took a different and unique direction, uh, for better or worse. You saw Rogue One, which in my opinion is one, is is a near masterpiece in the Star Wars universe. We're, we're, that's what we're recording um, about. Agreed. Today. Agreed. Yes. I, th- I think it's fantastic. The sequel trilogy, for all its uh, wonderful moments, had a lot of problems, I grant you, mm-hmm. but it did allow perspectives and debate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're quickly learning that you can tell fantastic Star Wars stories around some of these pillar moments and then in hindsight it builds up those moments sometimes you need the context of something to appreciate its original pillar and we've seen that a lot like empire strikes back wasn't really as beloved until you had the context of everything going Mm -hmm. on and um i would cite a few other movies in our superhero pantheon as well as once they're within their ensemble it, it makes more sense but i've seen star wars flex some muscles to to some pretty impressive moments and some pretty you know, meh ones, I would say to serve a few episodes of Boba Fett, but they're trying things. And I appreciate that. I mm-hmm. really do appreciate that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic for like act the acolyte. That's the one thing I'm most optimistic about because it's an era we haven't seen before and it hopefully won't have to play into all the cameos. It's going to like, we're going to tell a cool story and we aren't going to be relying on that because we think star Wars is strong enough to not have to have ties to a 30 year period. It can do more than just be that, which I'm excited about. All right. All right. Very good. Well, the never ending debate, what, what is it? Let's move it along. What, what do we have next? Yes. So we are getting a weird announcement of a sequel that I didn't think was going to happen. And that is I am legend. I am legend is based on uh, the Omega man. It was a, it was a a series. It was a book that has been adapted many times about the end of the world. Uh, The Will Smith version was really cool. Um, Actually has an alter, has an alternate ending that I don't think a lot of people have seen. Um, And essentially it's, he's a doctor who was involved with a uh, basically a cure for cancer, which ended up going awry, creating like almost like a mutant vampire vampire uh, uh, race um, and basically ended the world and Will Smith. It was just a really sad tale about man on his own and trying to survive and trying to redeem and bring back humanity. Um, The way the movie ends though, his character dies. I mean, spoiler, sorry, Mm -hmm. but so I don't know how he comes back, uh, but we are getting the fact that um, uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to star and produce this but I mean, it, it, I could see it just be Will Smith having flashbacks, but I don't have a problem with this happening. And Charlie, you know, and I know, and Luke, I'd like to hear your perspective on long, long stretched out uh, periods of time between sequels. 
Um, I mean, most are not most yeah. are not successful. No, but maybe this one really. could be. Oh, I I have a lot of mixed thoughts. I think when you put somebody of Michael B. Jordan's caliber into this arena with this level of spotlight, it'll be interesting to see how he shares the screen because Will Smith is notorious for hogging it. Hogging it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I don't mean that in a negative sense. Oftentimes, that's a good thing because he's a fantastic actor and, and under the right direction and writing, he really shines. Um, but we've seen Michael B. Jordan flex a lot of his muscles uh, figuratively and you know professionally mm-hmm. uh, in, in a number of ways. And I like a lot of the roles that he's played across a number of different like how much screen time he gets type roles. Um, and I think he's a great actor. So I'm really curious to see what happens. Storytelling wise, I don't know how they bring Will Smith back. Um, in his character i don't know that i want to see pre-outbreak flashbacks like if michael jordan is just younger smith right what do i care about that in this in this world um maybe he's looking at at audio tapes or or whatnot or the virus reanimate i mean i don't know whatever they choose to do they're gonna have to a tough time explaining it in a way that's not silly but you got talent working with talent and i do appreciate that Right. Yeah, very true. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan has moved the needle. I've loved, like, the Creed movies were phenomenal. Thought those were really quite excellent. I've enjoyed Will Smith for a long time. Uh, I know Todd, Todd, you've always kind of felt him to be, uh, certainly earlier in his career, kind of one note, but certainly in later years, he's branched out and he's done, you know, like, The Pursuit of Happiness. He's done The King Richard, which I just saw, which was excellent. So he's got the chops, but I agree with you, Luke, to, to see him really sharing the screen uh, in an action film with another action film actor. Who -hmm. knows? Who knows? You know, you don't want it to be, (laughs) this is not a great pairing, but you know, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. (laughs) And what was that? The the movie where they were in jail or whatever or something. And Oh, life. Yeah. Yeah, Life. Yeah. Yeah. No, not good. Uh, So yeah. But again, yeah, I love this movie, but again, thinking about uh, a continuation of that. And this is being done by Akiva uh, Goldsman, who is the mastermind behind Picard. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the recent renaissance that's going on with Star Trek. Uh, Picard and, oh, and Strange New Worlds, but not Discovery. Um, but yes, very excited. Very excited because um, I, I love this movie. This is one that I'll dust off, you know, every year, every other year and, and watch it again because I just really dig it. So I'm down. This sounds like fun. Very, very cool. So probably coming out in 2024. But um, yeah, I hope they pull it off. If not, then we'll just ignore it and move on right. and enjoy the original movie. There yes. you go. We can watch Omega Man. Enjoy that. Classic. Right. Yes. That's yes. that's the beauty of it. But uh, we had a little little one-two punch here for Star Trek. And again, we're going to talk about Star Trek and the Geek Easy as well. But uh, Todd, this one's a little bit more in your scope. This is a video game. Really kind of cool uh resurgence it's a cool resurgence uh, of a, and is this is this a console game or a pc game todd i, I don't have it's gonna it be console and pc so it'll be okay, for both gotcha. all platforms uh might even gotcha. go to mobile i mean depending on gotcha. it's like you know because the format's going to be more of a right well and luke you actually have kind of an inside scoop i don't know if you want to share yet on this one Ooh, but yes. um star, star trek resurgence is a video game it was announced i believe during eth three maybe was it the game awards i'm trying to remember where it was announced but it's very much uh in the heart of the telltale series and that's what's great for star that's what makes this great for star trek because star trek is all about um decisions and interesting story character development interaction and we haven't really had a console star trek game since the star trek uh jj abrams series they had a star trek game with that uh, but that was more of an action uh, adventure game. 
This one's going to be more of asking questions. Your decisions have context and uh, repercussions. Your and choose, this, choose your own adventure kind of bit. Yeah, which I would see here in this clip. Yeah, and, and Star Trek did have a lot of those old games that were kind of like the point and click with the like judgment rights back in the day with the original series right. cast. They had um, Elite Force or no Elite. It was the Voyager game, which was an awesome yeah, first-person shooter. Oh, that uh, Strike Force one or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was about elite security a squad on Voyager, which I, you know, I didn't love Voyager, but I love that game. So, um, but I, I'm glad that Star Trek is finally getting back into games because I think it's an excellent avenue for you to experience it. So, with that being said, we saw uh, basically some footage on IGN with uh, the the voice actor doing Leonard Nimoy. Uh, very and that impressive. was pretty impressive. Yeah, very yeah. impressive that they can duplicate the voice or get close enough to it because yeah. that's what's great about voice actors. You can get close enough like on like Clone Wars. You get someone that's doing Obi-Wan right. that's not uh, Ewan McGregor. So I, right. I, I'm, I'm optimistic for this game. Um, so, Luke, mm-hmm. tell us your thoughts on this. I'm I'm really excited for this. And when the game was first announced, I reached out to uh the team because i was i want to have them on if anyone's unfamiliar the xbox expansion mass i often do interviews with developers and so um r- right now it looks like that is going to get to happen closer to release but they've got an ign first that they're they're locked in on a deal with um and they're as they approach launch i'm hoping to talk to them but i'm really excited for it star trek is uh present company excluded not the mainstream right and i think we have to acknowledge that and so i'm hoping that this is a window in because it's, I yes. adore it. I want more people to get into it and realize the joy of it. And it's often a more cerebral event than than Star Wars or your Marvel film and whatnot. It's a much more thoughtful endeavor. I see you, Charlie. Give me one sec. Um, so I'm hoping <laughs> this 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 pans out well because the teams behind Telltale can usually do a great job. And I mean, as a Trekkie myself, I'm really excited. And the voice acting does sound good. I like the uniforms. Uh, love and, those, love those nemesis post nemesis or, uh, those film era f- uniforms with the great, yeah. I have, I have one myself. I have a, as a cosplayer, I have, I bought the jacket with the mm-hmm. zip out cuffs and I have all three undershirts so that I, so it's three uniforms kind of in one. So mm-hmm. I, but I've, I've always enjoyed those uniforms. That's cool. That's cool. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to see this one. Yeah, and Charlie, this is the type of game that just like The Walking Dead, I thought you might enjoy because it's not like, you know, Twitch reflexes. It's really right. about stories. And I think you might enjoy this one. And you could actually, you and April could play it together uh, and did, choose decisions. I, I did do that Walking Dead one for a bit. And I thought it was cool. It was. It started out like, oh, there's a cop driving a little girl out of town. And you got to pick. And, and you do it two different ways. And you pick one and the car goes in the ditch. And you pick one and then this other thing happens. So, yeah, I did, I, I did like it. And, yeah, we have... April was in her new job was talking with one of the guys uh, who was a gamer and the last of us came up and we have the disc and I got it out because all of our discs are in the basement. Now. I'm like, I'll bring it up for you. And we still, she still has it played, but it's a one. That's a tough, game. that's a tough uh, yeah. jump from, from but the telltale games to that. But, game, it's, but, but it's, it's supposed to be a big one, but yeah, I, I mean, I can see myself, you know, you know, purchasing this and actually, you know, investing some time in it because it will, you know, it'll pay off the dividends. I just wish, you know, I wish more of this kind of stuff was considered canonical with Star Trek because none of it is. And I, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a the canon police. I like canon. I like things to be canon. I like a cohesive story. So that kind of bums me out. Um, the whole thing with Spock is that not long after where he was portrayed here is when he ended up 
getting shot into an alternate reality, which gave us the JJ film. So this is kind of one of Spock's last, you know, rattles as it were. So yeah, I know I'm interested to see how it plays out. And you know, the, the, the other argument can be made that until something is contradicted, it's headcanon. So it happened until you knew that something, until it's proved that something else happened. So this can be canon for now. Definitely. And, you know, uh, obviously Luke will tell you where you can follow him at the end of the show, but we'll definitely um, point to Luke's podcast when that team is on. So you can get right. a listen about the game, what they're going for, the theme and kind of their, what, what they're going for. Cause Luke does great interviews with developers and guests. So I'm sure he'll ask all those Trekkie questions that he has in his heart. And Charlie, um, if you supply Charlie, Charlie, you can supply Luke some questions too. Because he always asks for questions. I would, I I mean, I could tag along. You know, I can fake it, whatever it is. You just let me know. We'll wrap. There we go. There we go. Yes, absolutely. So, and then the next thing, Charlie, I'm sure you're going to be talking about this on Code 47, is you got a surprise teaser for Strange New Worlds. And uh, why don't you take it from there? You know, uh, it's, I'm very excited for the show. Uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike, his portrayal uh, spawned one of one of my favorite cosplays. The hair helps. Uh, not the big bushy beard as you see him in here in this, but yeah, we're kind of getting a portrayal of a a burned out or a vacationing or a you know on temporary leave slash retired Captain Pike in his. Uh, mountainous hometown of uh, Mojave, California, riding his beloved horse Tango, um, but then being being recalled to duty. Uh, and again, this was very this was a teaser clip. It was only about a, a minute and thirty seconds. Um, did not really give us much of anything. We got what I thought was a shirtless Spock standing on a holodeck, which is uh, that's going to require some explanation. We didn't really see any of the other new characters. We are getting um, new castings of Christine Chapel. We're getting a new casting of Nayota Uhura as a cadet on the ship. Uh, we're getting back uh, Dr. Mambega, who was uh, a, a, a black or an African-American or an African doctor, uh, who we saw as a, he's a Vulcan medical specialist. Um, so yeah, but we didn't see any, we didn't see any of the new characters. So kind of a bummer, but again, a teaser trailer. We're getting this at the end of May. So this is going to be the summertime programming for Star Trek. We're getting the first episode of this on a doubleheader week when Picard ends, which I think is great. Picard ends and this begins. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a real Sophie's choice. Choice when April and I get up that morning, what are we going to watch? Because we watch them both, but which one are we going to watch first? You know, so um, I, I didn't really need my excitement level ramped up for this because I'm so fired up for this show. So it was kind of like I don't know. I, I got mixed feelings about how it kind of made me made me feel about it. You know what I'm saying? But um, I don't know. Uh, you know, you're you're a little more tertiary to it, Todd. What did you think of this? Oh, I liked it a lot actually because it made it feel like. TOS mm-hmm. um, in the heart of it was more of a not a long arc, but more of, you know, every episode was standalone, kind of like Plan- exploring different cultures and Plan- different yeah, conundrums T- like TNG. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked what they were going for. So I know that may not be what people want out of, you know, new Trek, which is more like broader story arcs and things right. like that, you know, uh, so I don't know. They can do both. I'm perfectly fine. But I, 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 I thought it did its job of like, wow, this is kind of what they're going for. Very optimistic and very exploratory and doing that well, type of thing versus we've got to do one thing and that's it. And maybe something happens along the way. I mean, they're split down the middle right now because uh, Picard and Discovery are that way. One big long story for 10 to 13 episodes. Uh, and then you've got this. And obviously uh, you're going to like lower decks. 
which is going to be, um, which are very episodic. The lower decks is obviously a little bit more satirical. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I just, I don't know. I guess I wanted a little more out of this, tra- the, this teaser, but then again, it doesn't really matter. It's a teaser. It's a it's teaser. It's not like the story trailer, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So what, what, what about my Trekkie residence? What do you have to say there, Luke? I liked it. I only watched it just before we recorded, but I liked it in the sense that I, I dug the, the kind of groundedness that they were going for. I got vibes of Shatner's Kirk mm-hmm. in that, you know, you had the, the horse riding and the right. wanting to be one with nature, the kind of clash of technology and nature. So I got vibes of that. Um, I was not bothered by it. I also didn't get more excited because of it. That was, that, yeah, that was my point. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So that's where I stood. Yeah, we've seen Captain Kirk or uh, Captain Pike already, so it's not like he's we've never seen him before. They were already introduced, so I think part of that is it's not something completely new because we're going right. to see this, you know, the, the crew going forward. So I'm glad Spike, a uh, Spike, Spock is along yes, for the ride. Spike. He Spike he didn't Jones. have a you know he didn't you know he didn't get it wasn't before everything that happened with Discovery. So I'm very excited about that carrying forward the things they already experienced and and, and having uh, more development of those characters versus starting from scratch. So very, right. very cool. Well, that is it for the rumors and news with Madam Webb. But now it's time for us to go over, take a break. It's been a long day, folks. We need to get our geek on. And the perfect place for that is the Geek Easy. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are ready to get our nerd on. So this week, Luke, what do you have to bring to the table? Oh, goodness. I've got uh, a lot, actually. Uh, my wife and I finished very recently, not not this past week, but in the last few weeks, we finished up the Peacemaker and the Expanse. Ah, <laughs> Peacemaker. Which, Ooh, wow. Totally different, <laughs> hopefully. Very, yeah, very much so. Very different, but a joys all around. Um, I, as I mentioned, I did watch the first episode of Picard in honor of of being on here with Charlie. I plan to watch all of it. I do love uh, Picard, but I wanted to get, you know, watch a bit of it beforehand. Uh, And I'm reading the Witcher books right now. So, you know, take your pick. Is there, is there, uh, how much in depth do you want to go with this one? So we, we all watched the Peacemaker. I've, I'm not completely done with the Expanse, but I'm on the last season, I've got a couple more episodes to go. Charlie doesn't care about The Witcher, Tad, but I Tad, love The Witcher. Todd will finish The Expanse in two years. Just watch. Two years. No, I'm on. I've got like four episodes more to go. I'm almost done. So two, the series is over. Um, so, so Luke, of all of these things, which one stands out the most? That are like, wow, I, I, I'm either impressed or can't wait to see more of it. The Expanse was my favorite of what I've listed so far. I think The Expanse told just a fantastic story. Admittedly, a rushed ending season. The books extend far further into the future, uh, but they told the story. I've not read the books, but uh, they told the story that they wanted to tell. I thought it was very well acted. It was intricate. It reminded me a great deal of some of the high-level storytelling that took place in Babylon 5. The technology never matched it, and there was a lot of, you know, Babylon 5 had its own endearing charm. But they mm-hmm. tried to tell a, a huge galactic story uh, of, of intrigue and politics. And The Expanse kind of does that on a human side of things, uh, which I really, really liked. And I loved the, the way they handled starship combat uh, and G-forces and physics. And it was really neat to kind of go through that one. I, I absolutely adored it. 
Um, but Peacemaker was a different journey for me. And I'm sure you guys have already talked about it on the show. Have you talked about Peacemaker before? I'm like, oh, yeah, we, oh, we yeah, did the yeah. wrap up as the season ended. But um, that, yeah, that show had so many different like uh, ups and downs and different experiences yeah. that, yeah. So strange. And um, DC is directionless right now, I feel. Um, and mm-hmm. I, they have produced two of my most favorite superhero movies of all time. And they've done it in the last two years that they've released. By the same token, I've also seen some pretty atrocious things from DC. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's, and the problem is it's just, you're never sure where they're going to land. But Peacemaker was fun. It was fresh. You can never argue that it was uh, something that had been done before. And I appreciated getting to see the range of John Cena's acting, which surprised me. Um, and I, I appreciated that they, did their best to kind of link into the greater world that currently exists in DC uh, for however long. And so I appreciated a, a lot about the Peacemaker uh, series and I appreciate James Gunn's, uh, how do I put this? His love towards the craft and the source material. He didn't shy away from telling a story he wanted to make or awkward moments. And he said, I'm making what I want to make. And that tends to be when we get the best stories told out of DC is when, People don't bother Zach when people don't bother uh, Patty Jenkins in the first time uh, when people don't bother James, <laughs> etc. You know what I mean? Like right. when, when they're just left to create their vision, I appreciate that. And we saw that. So, uh, yeah, I've used the word appreciate 607 times in the That's last okay. minute and a half. Todd so, will yeah. say the word cool and pivot. Just hang on. Those, yeah, because it's those are his, those are his catchphrases. Pod Cool Oxtra is my name, so um, don't wear it out. But, you know, the funny part about The Peacemaker was uh, that was actually John Cena doing playing the piano, um, doing um, Home Sweet Home by uh, Motley Crue, and um, also his dance skills. So you get to see many sides of John Cena. Yeah, Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, always him and his tidy whities which I believe is uh, (laughs) contained within his natural uh, what have you. It's, it's impressive, is all I will say. <laughs> it was almost disconcerting. I'd seen Cattle yes, it was. Like, be ripped, but yeah. I was just like, good Lord, John. Right. He's yes. eat a sandwich. Yeah, eat it. <laughs> really? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, so um, I will uh, talk about something that is brand new. Came on Amazon Prime. These are shorts based on the boys' TV series. These are animated. Uh, they're essentially like eight minutes long. And every episode is by, done by a different creative team, different voice actors, um, and different uh, animation styles. I watched the first three. And for anybody who is a fan of the boys or not aware of the boys, boys is just basically superheroes gone bad, gone rogue, whatever. And uh, this definitely complements it because it's telling more stories within the hero, uh, the, 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 the boys universe. Uh, the first one's called Laser Babies Day Out and Ben Schwartz is in it. And there's a few others oh, um, uh, uh, that are in it. And it's all about uh, that laser baby. If you saw it in the oh, boys. Right. It's about that, but it's basically taking the the trope of like a Looney Tunes where the baby just gets gets out of the facility and like this 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 scientist is trying to get the baby back. So like it's like the baby's going weaving through traffic, not getting killed, and the guy trying to get the baby is almost getting killed. And then you also have then 
the baby getting, uh, uh, you know, getting sought after by um, Vought like uh, commandos trying to get the baby back. Mm-hmm. And it's hyper violent. I mean, just gross and disgusting, but it's so weird that it's done in the style that makes you think of like Looney Tunes. So it's like, okay, you gotta have a strong stomach for this, but it is definitely uh, part and partial with uh, with the boys. Uh, the next one is called an animated short where pissed off soups killed their parents. This one was very entertaining. I believe it was by the folks who do. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the same. Not Sid and Marty. Um, you know, Marty, Rick and Marty. Sorry, Rick, Sid, Sid, Marty, Sid and Marty. <laughs> yes, yes, the Croft Brothers. But this one was done in that style of Rick and Morty. Um, a lot of good voice actors, but this the premise was this was these were the like the sloppy second heroes that were basically created and had poor superpowers. Um and yeah, it's it's just a very funny story once again. Very cute, lots of good voice actors again, very fun. Um and then the last one I watched called I'm Your Pusher. And this one included some of the characters you're familiar with, but the art style felt more like the comic. It was actually written by the, the comic creator, which was pretty cool. And uh, they had the voice actors that you're familiar with, but it was a interesting uh, episode and some of the focus they did in regards to one of their approaches to taking down a soup was very, very cool. Billy Butcher was in this one. He was the lead. Um, but different voice actor. They had Jason Isaacs doing his voice voice actor versus um, uh, Carl Captain, Urban. Captain Lurka. Yeah, Re- yeah. Re- replacing Dr. McCoy. Yeah, so but, if you want to watch something different, McCoy. yeah, if you want to watch something different, this is fun. There's like eight episodes, very short. All, all were dropped on day one. So check it out. It's fun. I, I enjoyed it. Nice. Um, and then lastly, Charlie, I'm sure you want to talk about Picard. I'm, I just I saw Picard episode one definitely taking place right after Picard season one. Um, you're going we're going on a big adventure. Um, I don't know where they're headed. A lot of people are in new places that I wasn't expecting, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, I, you know, I wasn't as familiar with the Stargazer. That's one of the things that's brought in. It has a big primary role. That was Picard's first um Starship, Correct. I believe. First, yeah. First command. First command. Okay. Yeah. First command. But they brought that back. I believe that was destroyed, but they brought it back. Um, well, it was, what, uh, yeah. it was about bringing back the name, not the ship. That's a new ship. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think every spaceship or starship has been destroyed and then just brought back, right? That's kind of the whole thing, right? Yeah. Nothing well, survives. Yeah, well, yeah, they roll in names, although this, this ship wasn't a quote unquote descendant of it. But regardless, yeah. Yeah, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, I mean, I don't know where, like I said, I think we get a hint of where this is going, but I am curious, but it looks like time travel will be a big part of it. That disappointed me. The time travel part of it? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it hasn't, uh, as of episode two, it hasn't happened yet. So don't, don't worry. You can, you can, you can stave off your disappointment as you watch episode two. Um, Oh, good. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. Those are my least favorite episodes of Voyager. Or anything else when they went back to what is currently the present? Well, that 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 is absolutely coming. Sorry, because it, because it's been in all the pro- <laughs> it's been in all the promotional material. Right. But yes. in episodes one and two, uh, you see obviously right at the end of episode one, uh, you're getting a taste of where Picard ends up. When obviously spoilers, folks, but a week has gone by and episode two is already out. So uh, one would imagine you either carry you don't. 
you know, we, we get a, we get an apocalyptic end to episode one where everybody gets blown up on the Stargazer ship and this fleet of ships get blown up. Then Picard wakes up back in his chateau, but he's wearing, you know, the big old black trench coat, the jack boots, and his uniform is different. And he's walking around, and you can tell that he's ended up in some alternate reality. And then John Delancey, as Q, shows up, and he says, Welcome to the end of the road not taken. Nice. Uh, and then we end up in episode two, which is uh, which I will not talk about because you guys have not seen it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. Everybody ends up in, in different places. But as you will know from the trailers, uh, you know, all of our main characters know that something is is a is a, is a miss, and they've got to fix it. So, uh, episode two is about kind of charting that path, but no, no time travel yet. But it's discussed, and obviously, you know that it's going to happen. So, um, but speaking of Star Trek, there uh, start you know we we have the historic overlap. So, uh, watched you know episode twelve of Discovery season four this morning. Um, Todd, how far are you halfway through now? Did you get past? I think I'm halfway seven? through. Yeah, I think I'm halfway through. Close, maybe. Gotcha. Well, I mean, as you know, the season is in Luke. Are you watching Discovery the season yourself? I think I bet ba- I've bailed on Discovery about partway through season three. Okay. Oh, gotcha. oh what? Uh, well, give us a Reader's Digest version. What's your what are your misgivings? Um, I, it didn't. I think I was just when they advanced so far into the future that the Federation had been destroyed or severely hampered and we had the burn. Yeah. Uh, It just felt so disconnected from what I loved about star Trek, which was this optimistic hope, right? um, This utopian chase that they had. And, and I I should note that I loved the utopian chase in the TNG and their spinoffs. I wanted that. I loved the main war aspect, but the Federation was the good guy. Right. And the fact that the Kelvin timeline didn't quite have that, I liked it because it was separate. And for Discovery to exist in the way that it did, it just didn't quite kick it for me. And um, I've heard a lot of people complain about Discovery because, uh, oh gosh, I forgot her last name. Green something. Uh, Sonequa Martin Green. The, the Michael Burnham. Burnham character. Yeah. Yeah. Sonequa Martin, Martin Green is a fantastic actor. Really, and, uh, I really one of the best I think the Star Trek has ever had, to be honest with you. I, I fully agree in her ensemble. It is really high caliber, but I began to distance myself as I wasn't sure about the writing. I did the meme about her crying every epi- episode or every other episode that did weigh on me before it was a meme. I noted it before I saw yeah. the memes. Right. And, and that part kind of got to me a little bit um, because she's so strong and so right. weak. And right. uh, I, so, so and, I kind of fell apart there. In, in a lot of ways, being raised Vulcan, that seems even a little more strange that she's so so emotional. Mm-hmm. I will tell you in season four, the tears have been drilled down next to nothing because she's the captain now. She probably can't really afford to be so weepy. But um, I really started liking Discovery more when it wasn't a prequel anymore because that drove me nuts. Like season one drove me nuts. Like, mm. oh, the Klingons are completely different. Oh, the ships are completely different. Oh, the uniforms are completely different. Like, they they, they changed everything. And then, and then a few years later, it's just going to look like it did in TOS. So that, that made me a little nuts. So well, I'm, I'm more comfortable with it being a prequel. Uh, and season two is easier for me because you see Captain Pike and you start to think that Things aren't really retconned as far as the way they look. They're just updated. But the the first season of Discovery was like, oh, this is 
you know, eight years before TOS and everything is different. You know, they have all this great, wonderful technology and they have the ship that has. And how are they going to pull it off? And why, you know, yeah, all these things. I will say, Luke, um, it does get, I mean, not to spoil anything for you, but if you want to revisit it, I do feel like it does get back to a place of where they are trying to get there. The things you like. They are trying to reestablish, which I think is an interesting thing to see how, how the Federation was actually formed. We've kind of never discovered. And this kind of feels that way. Okay. Right, Charlie? I mean, would you agree, Charlie? Uh, no, this is 100 years after the Federation well, formed, well, so not really. I, I understand, but, th- but we never saw the Federation formed in this way. They're trying to rebuild the Federation. So we're kind of seeing oh, as far as, that yeah. work be, having to be done. It's kind of like building the UN or building um, right. all these things. So in that way, you may enjoy that once you yeah. get past all of the darkness. Yeah, okay. I would say, Luke, if you were halfway through, and th- there is a, I think, pretty satisfactory satisfactory you know giving a satisfaction at the end of season three where things go more off in the direction that you like uh Mm -hmm. or that you enjoy that you and i both enjoy of of kind of the classic and then season four becomes really the you know it's the it's the basically it's the you know galaxy-wide disaster that our people Mm -hmm. have to fix that's what season four is all about so at any rate uh that will end uh that season will end next week um Mm -hmm. and then it will just have picard for the next two months and then when Picard is getting to wrap up, that's when we get Strange New Worlds. So and things just keep Crazy. March, marching on. It's just, it's really wild. Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches of Star Trek. We are, we are truly in a golden age. Uh, while even though our programs are are shorter, they're punchier and there's more of them and there's more variety in it. So uh, that's all very good stuff. So also very briefly, something that is not watching or reading. Everybody knows that uh, my wife and I run a chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club. Uh, We crossed state lines this past weekend. We went three miles into Indiana to participate in our first Comic-Con of the year. In Elkhart, Indiana, there is a a museum called the Hall of Heroes Museum where this gentleman, Alan Stewart, has been uh, collecting comics and and figures and, and memorabilia his entire life. It's a massive collection that he turned into... Uh, a museum that grew so big that he spawned it into having his own Comic-Con. He actually had, he had Doug Jones as a guest. I got to meet Doug Jones Saru for the second time. Wonderful guy. I'm going to get to see him again uh, in Chicago at the Mission Chicago uh, Con, which is going to be next month that April and I are going to. You're, also, you're stalking him now, Charlie? Yes. Well, he's, you know, when he puts it on the internet, it's only his fault if he lets me know where to find him. Um, but he had, you know, he had, I met Ming Chen from Comic Book Men. He's a podcaster like us. Very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Emma Caulfield, who was, I, was, I think, from your Buffy or Angel. Yep, was a Buffy. Yep, she's great. Yep. And the fourth guest was someone who's escaping my attention. Uh, which I feel bad about, but anyway, it was a great show. It was a small show, but it was it was at a nice little um, nice little modern facility uh, right there, kind of on the uh, along the turnpike. Um, and you know, we 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 got to suit up for the first time in several months. We had a few no- new people to the club. We just overall got to have fun, so it was good stuff. I love doing that. You know, we're getting our slate organized that we have uh, probably seven or eight shows that we're doing this year. Just chatting about star trek with people and, and getting them to getting them to know their organization is out there so it was fun i was i was glad we had a chance to do that very cool man it's nice to get back to some normality and back. hopefully more of these opportunities will emerge and everybody can have a good time back to it 
So, yeah, so that's it. Uh, so now, uh, as always, it's customary for us to get the Uber, get out of this, get out of this crap hole, the geek easy, sorry, pay our bill. Uh, we got to get over to the airport, got to get on that Air Qantas Airbus uh, and get down under to the Thunderdome where the mutants are awaiting us to talk about the Batman. Let's go. Welcome to another edition of Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week we are reviewing in a spoiler filled discussion, folks, about 2022's The Batman. This was directed by Matt Reeves um, with a story by Matt Reeves, Peter Craig, Bill Finger. Well, created by Batman, you know, that, that the credit. Bill Finger's he, he dead, sorry, folks. He, yeah, he didn't yeah. come back. Uh, that was, uh, yeah. ouch, what a bummer. Yeah, he got a credit, which is great, because typically it's not Bill Finger who gets a credit. It's typically uh, Bob Kane. So right. Bill Finger getting some due credit, which is great. Uh, cast, Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, uh, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrow, Paul Dano, John Turturro, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, Barry Keel. I mean, uh, the list of people in this movie, phenomenal actors, great cast. But moving on, this movie was, I believe, just under three hours or just over. It was just, right on the cusp. Just like two, it was like 256, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and yeah. has now earned like $300 million. This is like the biggest opening of 2022. Uh, no digital release at launch, but will be coming to HBO Max 45 days after release. So if you don't want to go to the theater and you're still trying to stay safe, all those things, it's coming. So just be patient and you can watch it there. But that is where we will start our discussion on the Batman. So um, I just let me ask where you guys saw it, because I saw it probably the worst way ever. I saw it with two friends. We went to probably one of the worst theaters I've been in, been to in the last 20 years. This was like a crap theater, um, but it was because it was my uh, friend's right below his apartment was a movie theater. I didn't realize how bad it was because he could, oh, it's not very good. I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. This felt like the Pix movie theater where I grew up in Lapeer, Michigan. Oh, like, man. Amy, mean, where where we saw there's something about Mary? Absolutely. The th- well, no, the Charlie, that was a newer theater. You did not go to the Pix. The Pix was oh. a one, one room downtown Lapeer. That's where I saw the original Batman 89. So I felt like it was reminiscing that experience, but just not as much fun because I felt like it was packed in like a sardine, no recliners. It was just that, you know, little rocking action, but it felt scuzzy. So maybe it was appropriate. That's where I saw the Batman because it kind of felt the, the filth and degradation mood. So that's where I saw it. I saw it on Friday. It gave you it gave you all the scuzz you needed. Yep, and you saw it on Thursday, right, Charlie? Yes, I saw it on Thursday because on Friday we were off to do this show in Indiana, yeah. so we were gone all weekend. Got it. And Luke, how was your experience? Uh, it was interesting because I didn't know when I would get to see it because carving out a three hour time period can be tough. Um, I saw it on a Sunday morning. I paid six dollars. I was one Ooh. of maybe five people in the theater. So sweet. Uh, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great because I, I didn't have to stress about anybody interrupting me. I didn't have to yell at anybody for having their phone out. Uh, I just got to live in that world for for three hours. And what what a journey. It was a dark it was a dark and rainy world where I feel like 
it was never daytime until the end of the movie. If I it, no, I, I don't think I, I don't think that it was. It was like Alaska, that place where the sun doesn't come up. Oh, I think the, Gotham the, Gotham has that experience as well. Thirty days of night, but no vampires, no Josh yeah, Hartnett. Alaska, yeah, there we go. So um, this movie um, is is gotten great critical ratings. Um, I was apprehensive because I wasn't sure what to expect, um, but I will say. Well, hold on before that, you say. Before okay. you say, Todd. Last time I was on was when we discussed Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes. Mm. And I have I had reservations about hearing both of you talk about this version of Batman based on your comments about Batfleck mm-hmm. and the grittiness and the darkness of this of the Snyder world of, of that Batman existed in, which is very mm-hmm. fundamentally different, right? It's very different. It's an apples and oranges comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am I just want you to know that I've been anticipating hearing you talk about it because I thought to myself more than once, Todd, what are you going to think about this? Charlie, what are you going to think about this Batman? Because last time I spoke to you, you guys were both hoping for a bit of a brighter, happier, more, more cheerful Batman. If for lack of a better descriptor, we uh, said that weren't happy. (laughs) I said that. Okay. I I don't, I, no, I it was the darkness that he portrayed. Or okay, I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm gonna go full Reagan on this. No, I don't recall. I think it was more more of like I wanted maybe a different take on Superman, maybe. But yeah, um, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with with a darker Batman just because yeah. of his character, things like that. Um, the the my key takeaway from this movie, it was intense. Mm-hmm. I have don't think I've been feeling this intense from a superhero comic book movie in quite some time. If I have ever felt this way, maybe dark Knight was the last time mm-hmm. I felt this way. I felt cla- claustrophobic. Maybe it was the movie theater and being squeezed in, but I felt kind of claustrophobic. Like the city was engulfing you with its darkness. It's every, every space in that movie felt tight. Mm-hmm. Like even in when they were going for the funeral, that felt like a very tight act constrained space the club scenes um yeah it never felt like you had a room to fully breathe and just relax even though it was a three hour long movie which you thought where it's gonna relax or it's gonna have some downtime and that was impressive to me some levity and yeah you're right i just um i think i lost my train of thought um i mean they 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 didn't want you to slow down. They, I mean, and what's funny is you mentioned the funeral scene is that as Todd knows that in every movie I see now, I, I take about a 10-minute cat nap. And <laughs> that's where mine happened is I woke up during the funeral after he drove the car in there and the scars guard guy falls out. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, the good news is I was totally switched on for the rest of the movie. Um, and that is by no means a disparagement of this film because it was – yeah, it was, it was uh, very – uh, very intense, and s- someone mentioned this and really got to me thinking of it. This was way more of a Batman film than it had anything to do with the fact that Batman is some dude named Bruce Wayne who yes. was who he was unmasked for perhaps ten minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. And his uh, this was the first time uh, that you saw him. This is what I was commenting to April as we were driving away. This is the first time I think you saw him as what I think a 10-year-old kid who saw his parents get murdered would be like. Not a rich, sexy, cheery playboy, but this kind of sullen emo kid uh, who skulks around and has the moppy soccer dude bangs and just is is basically a shun from society. Um, 
And yeah, boy, I just so many different set pieces in this uh, that, you know, the mansion was burned to a crisp, which was, you got that with Batfleck, so I guess that part of it was kind of kind of elementary, but the fact that, you know, he's teetering on the brink of being broke, and he doesn't have a job, he's not, you know, he's not secretly this, you know, ninja uh, genius, uh, though you do see him doing some detecting in this, but this was just, everything about this was just really radically different. Than any, I mean, the Batmobile was radically different. Like, it's a muscle car, and people are like, well, blah, 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 blah. but I'm like, good for you. Just like uh, when I'm not going to say Jared Leto's take as the Joker because that's that was really not so much for me, but I'm thinking of Joaquin's take as the Joker was totally different. And again, mm-hmm. Todd, you and I talked about this on the time uh, at the time, and I, I believe Bobby was with us, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, talking about the fact that these are fictional characters okay that were created damn near 100 years ago now um and there is no one great wonderful interpretation of i mean batman was a silly caricature in the 1960s but when tim burton got a hand of him in the 1980s and and stuck michael keaton who's still my batman uh because i was 13 when i saw it and made batman grim gritty and dark that's how so many of us have been programmed to look at him. Um, and I just I just don't know that with, with the exception of having him be cartoonish, like literally in a cartoon like Batman Brave and the Bold or one of those, that I can really take him any other way, so to speak. So this was, I love I love the moving around of the set pieces. I really did. You know, make it, make it different. Make him not be the same cookie cutter. Because otherwise, why the hell are you making these movies over and over again if it's the exact same shit? Don't make me bust out, Todd. What am I going to say? Pizza. It's pizza. Yeah, don't make it pizza. Don't make it pizza. Make it uh, linguini. Okay, this is the linguini of Batman. Batman linguini. That's what this was. This was something different, and mercifully so, because, again, Todd, you have said many times, I want to see Batman be a detective. I want to see him figure shit out. It's never happened. You know, nope. because all Batman has been on the big screen is is, is a is a bunch of punch ups. You know, well, I mean, I guess the Batman the animated series is the only other one where I felt like detective work was right, but like, part of the part and parcel. But on screen, yeah, not live so much. A, live action, yeah, live action on the big screen. It's always been about a spectacle of a big punch up. Where this was something very different. I would say Paul Dano as the Riddler didn't really thrill me because he was too. It was kind of too off putting. Really, uh, I just, I just, I just really, I mean, I just didn't really dig him. He was a little too. I it, the Jim Carrey interpretation still resonates for me, even though that movie was so damned awful. Um, yeah, he was just a little too with his weird suit and his. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need to. Maybe I, I didn't sleep through all of that, but um, I, it was just it was a little hard. It, it was. Well, it was interesting because that was kind of one of the dualities of it, right? And Luke, maybe you've, you felt this way too, but the Riddler not having money, being an orphan versus Bruce right. having money. And they mentioned that too. And it was kind of like where you could go. And well, right. one had a support system and, and, and just decided just to be sullen, not get therapy, and then just decide to go beat up people. Where the other one decided, I am going to uh, seek revenge for those who – do he basically doomed this city and the citizens and all the the people that could be preyed upon and right. it was interesting and i felt like, and i don't know if you've heard about this but they kind of molded 
the character of this Riddler after the, um, I believe it's the, oh, which killer was Zodiac it? Killer? The Zodiac, Zodiac killer, exactly. Yeah, which I'm like, I don't know much about that, but I know the movie that uh, that we saw. I think Fincher actually directed that, just like he directed Seven, which these movies had a feel for it like that. I think Reeves was going to go after it. It was kind of similar to that too. So I was fine with it. Didn't love the costume, but quite honestly, that's only for geeks like us to really care about. He was supposed to be creepy and weird and it paid off. I think in that instance. Um, so Luke, we've talked a lot. Um, you know, you've heard a little bit from us. Um, uh, you know, you, you were really excited about this. I'm so glad you could be on to talk about this. So, right. you know, where do you land? I know you kind of listed out your list of Batman movies, Mm-hmm. So yeah. this one landed pretty high, I think. Yeah, without a doubt, this is to me the best Batman live-action Batman movie ever to be made uh, thus far. And I notice a trend pretty consistently. The more recent they are, they tend to be the better they are. Be- and the idea being, they learn from the- their predecessors. But I really liked. I really liked. Uh, nearly everything about this movie. If I gave ratings, it'd be ten out of ten for sure. Um, I feel like it's truly a masterpiece of a film. I really like some of the changes they made while, while having a lot of homages to older moments. This is year two Batman. He begins by narrating in a very raw shack way from the Snyder films where he starts talking about, you know, this is the date. This is what's happening. Um, you know, it's year two. We have a signal now. We didn't have to see the Waynes die. We didn't have to see him, you know, put on his suit for the first time. We just got to see Batman, uh, unrefined brooding and my one of my favorite moments is when he's questioning whether or not he's making a difference because things are worse than they have been uh and one could argue that they're worse because like the riddler these two orphans have chosen to be vengeful they're Mm -hmm. the ironic thing is that they both say and feel the same thing they want revenge and they're they're out for vengeance um it's not until the end that Batman realizes he can't be vengeance if he wants to make a difference. And that will be the turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved throughout the film, we got this brilliant cin- cinematography and this wonderful storytelling that still captured a lot of the same moments of previous Batman. And I, and I even like, I had to write some of them down just to keep in mind, like when Batman, not Bruce, not uh, sneaky guy, when Batman goes into the club, He's beating people up. That was reminiscent of the Dark Knight. Right. When Batman broke through the ceiling towards the end of the film, that was reminiscent of 89 Batman breaking through the windows. Mm-hmm. You know, when he goes up to the top <clears throat> of the building and he jumps off, that's reminiscent of the Dark Knight uh, as well. The hallway scene was the Dark Knight Rises, but they were all Matt Reeves versions of these great moments in movies mm-hmm. featuring Batman, which was really cool. Um, to Charlie's point, this was a Batman movie. This was not... Uh, a Bruce Wayne kind of thing. This was like, I think we saw Bruce Wayne without his cowl for what, like three scenes. Right. And the exactly. rest was either Batman or Batman without his cowl doing Batman things uh, right. and having to traverse the city. Uh, that, that was really fun for me. I thought they, they used a lot of things like uh, his presence was, was so powerful. And many people have asked me, you know, like who's the best Batman? Is it Batfleck? Is it, Bale is it Burton's uh, version of with Keaton uh, who's the best one and I cannot say Pattinson was the best Pattinson didn't do much in this film he was there and this perfect presence because Batman is silent and he was mm-hmm. just powerful in every one of his scenes but he didn't have to actually act much right. versus versus uh, I, I don't mean that to sound disparaging what I mean is 
he was there with his presence being felt by everybody in the room. Uh, you know, when the cops tried to stop him and they put his, their hand on his chest, he just stared at them. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool. And he, we also he, saw he smoldered. He smoldered well, very much so. And and Todd, you were asking about a detective movie, or you wanted it to be a detective movie. The first thing he does is point out a problem with the blood coagulation on the thumb, mm-hmm. citing the detective's mistakes, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. sees the kid's footprint in blood and just stares at it until the detectives actually figure it out. Um, they're trying to solve things. I thought it was really fun. For a movie that's really dark and brooding, the levity of some of the jokes that the Riddler makes was really cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Little things like what does a liar do when he's dead? He lies still. That's clever. Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Very so, clever yeah. use of the the Riddler's uh, you know persona, but in a very different way we've ever seen before. Yeah, he's he's yeah. so mysterious. How did he make the riddle on his coffee cup? Did he do that himself? Not Those at that all, cafe. There, yeah, yeah there, there's a riddle. <laughs> that was that was not at the Gotham City Starbucks. I'll tell you that right now. It it was cool too to watch the police department actively dislike him but leave him alone and that's Mm -hmm. not something the realities of nolan's version which was also a grounded take would have let this was a comic book movie in the same way that Zack snyder made his batman uh part of a bigger justice league galactic level scale of power but it was a comic book movie every shot could be like plucked out to be from the comics kind of thing so too could this one but in a totally opposite direction this was a grounded version and that's not something that that Nolan's trilogy did. Those no. weren't the same types, and they weren't meant to be. Burton had many moments like that, but not all. Like the movie wasn't meant to be pure comic book. Mm-hmm. He had kind of his own Burton esque style of it. So I thought it was really cool to see Reeves do this, and every little scene could have just been chopped, put onto a screen uh, a screen board, and made into mm-hmm. a comic book. And mm-hmm. that's really neat. That's just really fun. That's cool. Well, it's it, it, a very calculated effort to do that. I remember. Talk about weird things that sound like like it's storyboarded and it's like everything has its little place. When I was a kid, there's a Terry Gilliam field time bandits. Anybody's familiar with Mm -hmm. that movie? I had uh, I had a friend of mine, a ch- uh, family friend who was our babysitter, who was a huge fan of that. She said, "Look at every little piece, like you know, you're going through the castle, and, and it looks like there's Legos here and there's Legos there. Everything was just very calculated, and there was kind of nothing." missing that was wasted and and you're right to to your point i really that's that is really what i found with this as well that claustrophobia that fact that it was always raining it was always nighttime um it just and again wanting to pluck loose something that was different and again that's where i mean it's a recurrent theme we were talking about even earlier in the show about fan service and making um you know, making things all the same, you know, you're, here's my pizza analogy for like the fifth time in this episode, but it still holds true. Um, take something that is samey and go in a different direction with it. So if we're going to have now a, a guy who is now the, the fifth on-screen Batman, fifth or sixth or something, or on the big screen. On big screen, yeah. Why the hell would I just want Nolan Batman. Why the hell would I want uh, Burton Batman? Why would I? Yeah. Why? Why? Why would I just? You know. Again, I think this is an argument we had even in one of our most recent episodes. Uh, if you love the old movie so much, go watch the old movie on your sixty-five inch screen TV and shut the fuck up because I don't want to hear about it. Go see something new or zip it. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. You know, story to, is, is, yeah. enter, entertainment has no value if it doesn't evolve and do different things. How does yeah. seeing the same thing over and over, unless you're a mental patient, how does or, or a child, how does seeing the same thing over and over and over again continue to stimulate you? I'll have Star Trek on in the background for the 50,000th time, but it's not going to get me jumping up and thinking and being excited. It's just on in the background. That mm-hmm. That's what the sameness always becomes. So if you're not pushing that envelope, to Todd's point about Star Wars, which will probably never happen, sorry, um, okay. it's, it's going to be what it's going to be. But with something like this, great choices to go in a different, you know, but even, you know, and even with the Catwoman character, and I, I, I mentioned nothing of a race, but just to, you know, the fact that she is in a very put together, you know, not, you know, kind of cobbled together, nothing costume um, that she's, you know, similarly, I don't know if the stuff with Maroney and stuff about them being, her being his father, if that was, um, if that came from the comics, I don't know. It was a nice twist. Love seeing Stanley Tucci. I love him. No, that was not Stanley Tucci. No, it was John Tuturo. Yeah, Tuturo. I like him. Yeah, it makes me, because I've loved him since Do the Right Thing. Um, But that that is from the comic line. Oh, okay. Being related. And the the Waynes being corrupt is from uh, the Batman the Telltale series, which is something you should play. Very cool series, too, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Definitely a good storytelling of Batman that absolutely Batman on its head. And you can play it, even if you're not a gamer. You can play it on your mobile. It's it's, it's, it's very similar to that Walking Dead game, yeah. You know, I yeah. tell you, my my interest in mobile games begins and ends at Angry Birds. So, but <laughs> or, or that old Avengers Facebook game. But um, I, I was did, say, I did. But anyway, yeah, I, I was going to say because play Batman. That's all. Yes. Well, well, maybe Charlie will come around. And it's probably something on. It might even be on PlayStation now if you still have the service. But oh well. Um, one thing I wanted to point out uh, is the fact that I don't need to see this Batman be part of something bigger. I'm fine with this Batman being a detective, seeing what's coming next and dealing with, and and maybe I don't want them. I don't want the bat family extended, but which is because that would be a weird thing. I think, I don't know if it would work very well, but I do want to see the bat family in a movie eventually. Hopefully we'll get it. Um, But that's what I think is great about this approach. And it doesn't work for everything, but the fact is you can get this type of Batman story, this told, where it's, it would seem very odd to have this Batman then show up next to Superman or yes, other. Super, it's, it's, it just doesn't have a balance. So I, that I'm fine. Like if this is a standalone, it's perfectly fine to then have another Batman interact with the more fantastical characters and it yes. could work. And we it were, doesn't feel like our fans going to get confused. It's like, but that's not the same Batman. I don't think they can. And they have a problem with that. Right. We, we live in a time now where you can put all three of your Spider-Man on the same screen and no one's confused and we're all having right. fun. Right. Um, the, prior to the Flash's delay, uh, we were going to get all three live action Batman uh, or, or th- we were, pardon me, we were going to get three live action Batman in the same year with Pattinson, Affleck and Keaton all mm-hmm. existing on the big screen kind of right. in, this, in the same. That is absolutely fine. And I'm all for it. My dream, my dream boys is that HBO Max takes the Snyderverse, that the films uh, have their independent one, and then they have uh, whatever else they want to make there. But we have these, we have enough outlets, we have enough interest. Why not give the people what they want? Because I love the character, and I like the portrayals of the character, and I like seeing different people's visions for the character. When you say you just go watch the old movies, yeah, and let new people tackle 
different moments and different versions of it. I think that's great. And fans will not get confused. We can enjoy multiple versions of our heroes. I was elated for Spider-Man fans and I'm a big Spider-Man fan myself, but like when I got to see Toby and Andrew and mm-hmm. Tom there and there mm-hmm. wasn't a competition, who's better? This one's better. This one's from, no, right. we were all just having a blast. It was a celebration. Exactly. Everybody was having a great time in that theater that day. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so I think we are coming to the end of the podcast folks. And I think we need to put our stamp on it. So Luke, do I even need to guess what you're going to give this film? 10 out of 10, man, apart from a very strange ending scene that I wasn't really a fan of. It's a masterpiece of a film. And, and I think we should be grateful that this existed given that it was partially had to be shot during COVID and over microphones. They had to communicate with earpieces to give direction. You'd never know, man, because this thing was just fantastic. It's it's, it was the, the mastery of filmmaking. Um, my, my lack of love for Paul Dano as the Riddler, uh, gives lends me to give this an, an eight five, but it was otherwise absolutely delightful. Um, thank you for, you know, thank you for taking a risk. Thank you for telling, the story of a character differently knowing that the next, you know, the next director, the next actor, the next Batman will do it in a way that's even more different. And, you know, thank God that that kind of thing can happen because otherwise, like I said, pizza. Yeah, this is a nine out of 10 for me. Uh, the acting, uh, just some of the transformations, some of the characters, the, 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 the plot points they went through, uh, just a, a lot of it just worked really well. Um, and I, and I was just really impressed by it. And like, once again, we didn't have to rehash the, the, the Waynes. We brought in different perspectives of the Wayne that we weren't familiar with. And we definitely, it, it kind of came together in a way I just really was nervous about, but it delivered. So I mean, that's good. It could, it's good to feel nervous about is something going to work versus, you know, just, Oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You know, it's like the MCU for oh, it'll be good. You know, how can they screw it up? So this could have been screwed up easily, but man, Matt Reeves, good job, bud. So yeah, that is it. Go see the Batman. I know if you can't see it, like we said, it's going to be in uh, at your home, uh, HBO Max screen very shortly, and I'm glad that's going to happen so you don't right. have to wait like six months for like Spider-Man, which was just crazy. Oh, well, right. um, with that, Luke, tell people where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost, and you can find my podcast, the Xbox Expansion Pass, uh, which focuses on the goings on of gaming as the news pertains to the Xbox ecosystem. You can find the Xbox Expansion Pass on all your podcast services. Would love to uh, have some more friends there. That'd be awesome. Give Luke a follow, give Luke a listen, and uh, ask Luke questions. He he likes those a lot. Um, And sometimes you win something because he likes to give away things as well. Um, And Luke, always a pleasure. So glad you could be on. Um, And this was a lot of fun having you back. Mm, Yes. And your appearance on Code 47 will shortly become non-optional. That's fair. That's fair. As soon <laughs> I, as I, I need to get caught up. I, I know. I know. I know. I got to get back. Get in I, 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 haven't, I, haven't, I haven't harassed you in far too long. Um, but yeah, so this, this was really great. But yeah, uh, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can find little old me uh, over on Twitter at the C3. Spell it all out. I also run, as I'd mentioned, the Star Trek chapter, the, uh, the, Star, the Michigan chapter of the Star Trek International Fan Club. That would be the USS Grand Petoskey, which can be found on Facebook, 
Twitter, and our own website. Uh, Todd? You can follow me at T Oxtra on Twitter, just having a good time trying to interact with folks, just enjoying life on the uh, interwebs. Um, but also, f- just shout out really quick, um, I did streaming for charity uh, for Bobby Paul's In His Memory, uh, supporting autism charity. I'm a horrible streamer, Luke, but you get a kick out of me playing um, Hades. I had a good time. I babbled, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, did it for a good cause. 90 Minutes Twitch. I'm at Spartion1998, so check me out there if you want a good laugh. Do that at your own peril. Friends, one more time, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring, and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. Riddle me this, riddle me that. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.